This is day 18 from the story called The Miracle of the Christmas Child by Penelope J. Stokes. The title is called Destroying the Enemy. Demetrius leaned on the edge of the well in the center of the little village of Bethlehem and shut his eyes against the carnage. Blood ran between the cracks of the cobblestone, stained his boots, dripped from the edge of his own sword. He had fought in many battles and come forth victorious. He was a servant of the king, a centurion, a warrior, accustomed to spilling the blood of his enemies, but never like this. When Herod called his captains and had given the order, the king was furious, raving about being deceived by some wise men who were supposed to report back to him on the location of some pretender to the throne. Apparently, the sages were wiser than Herod had counted on. They had escaped Judea and vanished. And now, since Herod could not find the exact identity and location of the usurper, he had determined to eliminate any possibility of a new king rising up to take his place. Like all the other centurions, Demetrius had been outraged. Such treason was punishable by death. He would find this traitor, track him down, and run a spear through his heart, anything to protect and serve his king. Then Herod revealed the rest of the story, and Demetrius could not believe his ears. Children? Babies? Yes, he had heard it right. Throughout Judea and Galilee, any male child under the age of two was to be sought out and exterminated, the way Herod's personal guards would exterminate rats in the palace garbage. That, the king had declared smugly, would solve the problem once and for all. Demetrius and some of the other captains had discussed the matter privately, out of earshot of the king's spies. The man must be mad, they concluded. He would have to be insane to order the annihilation of hundreds of helpless infants. How could they obey such a maniacal command? But in the end, Demetrius, like the others, had obeyed. And at this very moment, troops were fanning out into every town and village from Jerusalem to Nazareth. Mothers were screaming. Fathers were fighting. Rabbis were praying. But none of the resistance would have any effect. Herod's will would be done. He could rationalize his actions, of course. He had a wife to support and two sons, a two-year-old and a newborn. His position as a centurion was an honorable one. He had a job to do. He was only following orders. Still, logic could not quell the nausea that rose up in his thought or diminish the cold sweat that broke out across his face. Demetrius kept seeing his own precious children, Artemis and Julius, speared on the point of a sword. He could hear his dear wife Claudia screaming. Imagine the expression of horror on her face. He had to stop thinking like this, had to look at this assignment as a job like all the others, had to somehow see these dead babies as enemies of the realm 
Orders were orders, and a soldier, if he wanted to live, did what he was told. At the moment, however, Demetrius wasn't sure he wanted to live. Weary beyond imagining, he hauled a bucket of water from the well, splashed his face, and tried to wash the dried blood from the blade of his sword. The chaos had subsided, and most of the parents had gone into their homes to mourn in private. On one side of the square, a rough wooden cart was piled high with tiny naked bodies. Sir, a young recruit stood before him, a brawny lad with a barrel chest and huge muscular forearms, but his face was pale and had a greenish cast, and his eyes held a haunted look. The voice, when it came again, was shaky and hoarse. Ah, uh, sir, we're finished here. Demetrius stared at him. What? We're finished. Everything is uh, done. And he gestured with a trembling hand toward the cart. Demetrius shuddered. Put a cover over that thing. Blankets, anything. After the soldiers cleared out, the grieving parents would come to claim their children's bodies. But for now, he couldn't bear to look at it. Yes, sir. The lad turned to go, then apparently had second thoughts. Sir, he said as he looked back at his commander. I don't mean to question orders, sir, but was this, was this really necessary? Demetrius looked up at the fresh-faced young soldier. The king commanded it, he responded. Yes, sir. The boy laughed, and Demetrius sank into the edge of the well, unable to move. The young soldier's question echoed in his, in his own misgivings, but he didn't dare give it an honest answer. He didn't dare give an honest answer to the lad's question. No, it wasn't necessary. It was madness. He heard a voice and turned. An old man with a long gray beard, dressed in the garb of a Jewish priest, was walking slowly through the square. His face was covered with ashes. As he walked, he tore his clothes and he cried out, A voice is heard in Ramah, wailing in loud lamentation. Rachel is weeping for her children, refusing to be comforted because they are no more. The ancient priest then launched into the Kaddish, the Jewish prayer for the dead. How many times this day had Demetrius heard those words? Prayer to a God who could not, or would not, lift a hand to stop the slaughter. He looked down at his own hands, stained brown with the blood of innocence. Was it truly the failing of their God that this terrible tragedy happened? Despite their losses, these Jews believed. They still prayed. They did not blame their deity for what Herod and Demetrius himself had done. It was time to leave, to gather his troops and ride back to Jerusalem. But Demetrius couldn't move. He felt as if he were nailed to this spot, this insignificant little village called Bethlehem. The priest wandered by and gazed at him with sad eyes. Peace be to you, he mumbled. Peace? Would Demetrius ever find peace again? 
would he ever rid his mind of the living nightmare he had endured today? He grabbed the old man by the sleeve. Rabbi, he asked urgently, why do you keep on praying? Hmm, it will not always be this way, the rabbi answered cryptically. When Messiah comes, he will free us from the bondage and give us new life. Who is this Messiah? Demetrius demanded. Is he the one King Herod, King Herod sought to kill? I must know. The old man shrugged. Messiah is one your swords cannot destroy. He will rise up with healing in his wings. He shuffled away, still praying. All the way back to Jerusalem, Demetrius pondered the old rabbi's words. He will rise up with healing in his wings. By the time the great temple came into view, he felt more at peace with himself than he ever thought possible. I do not know your name, God of the Jews, he prayed silently, but I seek your forgiveness. Never again will I turn my sword against the innocent. And I ask that one day I might meet this Messiah, this anointed one you have promised to send. In the palace of Herod the Great, Demetrius made his report before the king and managed, with some difficulty, to refrain from speaking his mind about the insanity of the command. Herod listened, nodding, and smiled at his son, young Herod Antipas, who stood by his side. You see, my son, he said, our fine brave soldiers have carried out your father's will. Now, when you are grown and sit upon this throne, you will never have to worry about some upstart who claims to be the king of the Jews. Demetrius saluted the king and departed from Herod's court. He was still a centurion, still a soldier, but now he was also a seeker. And despite the king's grand words, Demetrius suspected that one day the upstart would show his face again, as the Messiah promised by the Jewish God. He only hoped he lived to see that day, to meet the one from whom Herod's swords could not destroy.